I, I think this is what's happening in this text in chapter 7. Nehemiah and the community has the walls built. The walls are up. It's been constructed. And the first priority, okay, what do we go about setting this place? How, how do you go about setting this place ready? What are the priorities? And we, I, I want to point out three priorities that the Nehemiah and the community um, work towards. Uh, first one is priority, they prioritize on people. Then they prioritize on worship. And they prioritize on lineage. And we'll go and uh, kind of uh, look at that in more details later. So the walls, the walls completed for context. Um, um, the, the, the wall of Jerusalem, the, people, the city of the Jews, was broken down and it was in shambles for 100 years. And Nehemiah and a group of friends, they came together and said, let's rebuild the wall. And they completed the wall in 52 days. And finally, the wall is completed. Uh, despite all the resistance of people, all the critics, they are able to set the wall and bring it to uh, completion. The wall's ready. What do they go about setting this place um, what do they prioritize in preparing this place? So the three things, they focus on people, they focus on worship, and they focus on lineage. So let's look at the text, um, Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 1, and I will read from the New International Version. Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 1. After the wall has been rebuilt, and I had set the doors in place, the gatekeepers, the musicians, and the Levites were appointed. I put in charge of Jerusalem my brother Hanani, along with Hananiah, the commander of the citadel, because he was a man of integrity and feared God more than most people do. Now the city was large and spacious, and there were few people in it, and the houses had not been, yet been rebuilt. So my God put it into my heart to, resemble, to assemble the nobles, the officials, and the common people for registration by families. I found the genealogical record of those who had been the first return. This is what I found written there. These are the people of the province who came up from the captivity of the exiles whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had taken captive. So we see here Nehemiah setting, getting to work in uh, sort of reorganizing the community. And I, I really like what he writes in verse, I think it's in verse... Um, verse 5, he says, my God put it in my heart. There's a certain confidence that he has that he's doing what is right. He's doing God's will. And this was God's plan for the community. And he firmly believed that. So first of all, he prioritized on people, on persons. Uh, we note in verse 6 that the, the list of the people who returned were prioritized. And just, I think we need a bit of context to understand this. Uh, these are the people who, who were exiled in different places in Babylon when the, the, the kingdom of Judah, kingdom of Israel was attacked by the Babylon, destroyed by the Babylonians. They were scattered in different places, uh, exiled in different places. And when the, the first chance came for them to return home, to come back home, they were the first to come back home. They were first to leave their fairly lucrative lives in, in the exiled places and leave their businesses and they were the first to come back home because they had the hope of uh, the hope that the prophets were talking about that God's people will be brought together in one place to worship God together. So they, in other words, the people who, who returned first were the ones who had strong hope 
they had strong faith in the vision that God had given to them. Although the Jewish were scattered, I think I mentioned this a few weeks back as well, uh, although they were exiled, they were living uh, fairly good lives, comfortable lives, um, uh, and they, were, they have set up their homes, their land, their plot, and all of that. Um, and yet, when a chance came for them to return, to live in close proximity in the temple with God, they took the first step to re return. It was a, a step of risk. It was a step of sacrifice for them to return. But the passion for, for being near to the temple, for being near to the worship of God, it was more important for them. And so they were the first ones to return. And Nehemiah says, get those guys, get the list of those guys first. They should have a, they should have a place in, in this uh, new city that we're building. And of course, this echoes back to uh, a, a very common theme that keeps occurring in, in Nehemiah, which is, remember me, remember me, remember me, remember me, right? And there's something quite comforting and quite uh, ensuring about being remembered, right? To know that your names are remembered, to know that you are remembered. Uh, it reflects, of course, the, the sacrifice of the people. If God does not remember them, then they are doomed because they have left everything. They have left their houses, they have left their property and came back to this new place with, unsure, with, with the futures being unsure. And they are praying that God remember me, otherwise I'm doomed. Um, so, and, and here Nehemiah um, honors that trust and says, remember those guys, get their names, make sure that you, you have them. It also points to the fact that Nehemiah's project of building the wall is not just about the project, it's about people. It's ultimately about the community, the people. And I think we, we, we need to emphasize that because often uh, projects, uh, whether it's political or, uh, or otherwise, or even religious, it tends to be about the project, about the building, the structure. And we forget that it's about people. Uh, a, a, um, kind of simplistic way to put it is to say that we use people to do projects rather than um, use the projects to build people. And I think here we note that for Nehemiah, it's, of course, it is about the building, but it's also equally important. It is about the people, the community. And again, I think this is something, there's something beautiful and something uh, that, uh, that encourages us today as well. It's about persons and names uh, that uh, the Bible prioritizes. Of course, we know from the story that the people work together. It, Nehemiah couldn't have done this by himself. We know that. The people who worked together, they, they came together, they contributed. They, uh, in fact, in, if you keep reading in chapter 7, in, specifically in verse 70, we have uh, just this list of things that people contributed, like gold and silver and bowls and um, priestly garments. I mean, quite random, but these are recorded here to, sh to show that their gifts are acknowledged, that they are remembered for what they gave to the project. They were the community of faith together. It's not just Nehemiah and a couple of heroes, but it was about the community. Of course, the sheer fact that names are recorded in the Bible, I think it's, um, I think there's something very encouraging about this, that there are names recorded in the Bible. Um, this, of course, is a reminder of who God is, that God is someone who calls people by name, right? 
We've seen that in the Old Testament. Uh, God is someone who calls people by name. In fact, God is someone who gives names to people, who gives identity to people. Uh, the, the story of salvation, the story of the Bible is about names, about persons, and ab about specific persons uh, being blessed and being touched, encountering God. So yeah, so it's about persons. The first priority that we see reflected in Nehemiah is that it's about people, about persons, about names. And although we are not going to read through all the names here, um, it reflects how important these names are, important enough to be recorded in sacred scripture. Um, I remember how it was when my name first appeared in an academic journal. It's not my journal, but somebody um, asked me, consulted me, and they put my name in a journal. And I was like, this feels good. Like, my name is there in, in a journal. It, it's out there. And I mean, this is Holy Scripture, the Bible, and the fact that these people are recorded by name in the Scripture is something profound, something special. And I think that's, that reflects, of course, the ultimate value that God gives to persons and to names. So first priority that Nehemiah showed, persons and names. Second priority is worship. It's really interesting in chapter 7, verse 1, the, again, the wall is up, it's ready, it's secure. The first thing that Nehemiah goes about arranging is get, get, get gatekeepers to, to guard the door, get people to guard the door, and next thing, get musicians, get priests to do the worship things, like to, do, to take care of the worship. If you keep reading in verse 43, there's specific uh, directions for who are the Levites, the priests, to conduct the services. Uh, in verse 44, we have singers who come up in the, in, in the list. In verse 46 and verse 60, we have people, temple servants who would work as helpers in the temple. In, uh, in other words, showing how important the worship is for this community. Note how the, the whole project of building the wall, of building, rebuilding the city is exactly for worship so that worship can, can happen, worship can take place. And of course, when we say worship, uh, it's, it's more than just uh, the, the, the specific rituals. Worship has to do with the relate, relating with God, re, our relationship with God, responding to who God is in our life, responding to our need for Him. So I would like to think of worship not just as, as the specific rituals that happen in a particular place, but the relationship, the, the uh, connections that we have with God. The project for Nehemiah, the project of building the wall, is precisely to ensure that worship of God continues. It is to ensure that the worship and service can take place safely in the temple. Why should people go back and live in, this, in the city? So that worship can happen. Why should there be a wall to protect them from uh, invaders? So that worship can happen. So the priority of worship we see uh, reflected here. Also, I think I want to point out something else that is uh, quite insightful, which, is, um, which we find in um, verse... Two, I think. Yes, in verse 2. Um, in, in chapter 7, verse 2, we are told about Hanani and Hananiah, the two leaders. And they are described as being a uh, man of integrity and, uh, and fearing God more, more than most men do. So integrity and fear of God. And I just want to 
take a few minutes to talk about this notion of fear of God. Uh, what does it mean to fear God? I think to put it in, in a, a concise way, it means to honor God above everything else. Uh, to, to be focused, to, to have attention and be attentive to God above all things. Who would Hanani and Hananiah, who would they rather listen to? And who would they rather pay attention to? To the critics, to the empires, the emperors, the armies? No, they would rather listen and pay attention to God. Who would they rather please? And who would they uh, rather find, um, who would they rather try not to offend? Whose offense is taken more seriously? For Hanani and Hananiah, it's God because they feared God. So fear is not so much about like uh, being fearful of like say uh, some evil or ter terrorists or terrorism and all of that. Fear has to do with honor and uh, uh, the attention, the respect that you give to something or somebody. For Hanani and Hanaya, God is the one that they wanted to honor. I think this is helpful for us to think about worship because often uh, we, we, uh, there's a tendency to think of worship only as things that happen at a particular place. But worship has to do with, um, with who gets the honor in our life. Who do we, um, who do we uh, listen to? Who do we pay attention to in our life? It's not just something specific practices that we do in our routines, but what or to whom do we give authority? To whom do we, do we give space? Uh, in, in our life? Um, what dictates our decisions? What guides our thoughts and our patterns? We see that for Nehemiah and the, and the company, the most urgent thing was to worship God. The most urgent thing uh, that they wanted to honor was God. God's forgiveness, God's guidance, God's wisdom. It was those things that dictated their entire existence. So they wanted to listen to God. They, don't, they would not listen to those who criticize them or they would not listen to those who threaten them or even lure them with, uh, with prospects of corruption and maintaining the status quo. They would listen rather to God. They chose to return to Jerusalem rather than stay in Susa, in, in the Persian Empire. They chose to return to this broken place of Jerusalem rather than stay in Babylon. Although this was a place of precarity and trouble, it was out of their comfort zone. They would rather come back because God is who they fear the most, just like Hanani and Hananiah. That's the second priority. The third priority is, has to do with lineage. And I think this is a bit strange. It's a bit interesting and, and puzzling for us in the 21st century because we don't really think about, uh, about ourselves in terms of lineage. I think in some cultures we do, and I think um, uh, certainly in my culture, there's, there's a strong sen sense of lineage, like who are you? Uh, who is your ancestors? Who are your ancestors? Uh, what is your line? Who is your clan? What is your tribe? In fact, that's really strong in my culture, and I suspect you might have encountered that in your own experiences too. But we see here that um, uh, for for the people of the community of faith, Nehemiah, lineage is um, almost everything. Um, the question of what is your, uh, who are your ancestors? Who are your descendants? I, I think you know that you, you, you may know this from the Old Testament as well. It's all about, we are the descendants of Abraham. We are the descendants of Abraham. We are the descendants of Isaac, Jacob, and uh, Abraham. The, the whole thing about lineage, right? Uh, the, the, the whole structure of the Jewish community itself is structured around lineage. 
that they came from a certain uh, particular ancestor ancestry. And of course, what this does is it creates strong insiders and outsiders dynamic. Right? There are people who are inside the family, the blood, the bloodlines, the blood ties, and then there are people who are outside. Right? And this, of course, uh, has a lot of implications in uh, creating tensions among ethnicity. As I mentioned last week as well, this has happened in Manipur, in India as well. Ethnic tensions. Uh, there's the objective, almost the objective boundaries of who are, who is inside, who is outside. Um, and so what I'm trying to say is in, in the case of Nehemiah and the, the new city, the new building, the resettlement became very complicated, very contentious. And that's why they were putting guards and picking up weapons uh, even as they worked because there was close, uh, there was very strict ties of, uh, strict uh, lines of insider, outsider. Uh, if your name is not found in the list, you are outside of the community. And we, we literally see that happening in verse 64. There were a group of people, uh, and it says, they searched for their family records, but they could not find them. So they were excluded from the priesthood as unclean. The, gov the governor therefore ordered them not to eat any of the most sacred food until they should be a priest ministering with the Urim and Tumim. They were set aside as uh, outsiders, excluded from the community. Um, of course, the, the flip side of that is it comes from the strong notion of uh, clean, unclean, holy, unholy in, in Jewish uh, community. Uh, and that's an important part in, uh, in the whole idea of lineage. If you belong to a particular group because of your lineage, you are insider. If not, you are outsider. Uh, so that's just uh, a rather complicated but the, the factual thing about what is happening here. The community was founded on the grounds of lineage. If, you are, if someone does not fall within that lineage, they are excluded from the community. So the three priorities that we see, um, persons, worship, and lineage. And I think, I thought these three points help us to reflect uh, in our own situation today. I think in a, in, in a sense, um, we... I think I would say that we, we certainly affirm and we are reminded of what the community of faith is about, that it prioritizes the persons, the worship, and even lineage, uh, as I would uh, explore later. First of all, persons. How, how are we as a church in 21st century, how might we also uh, affirm and uh, learn from Nehemiah and the company? First of all, it's about persons. We, we, are, we are not primarily about the building and about even the activities, the ministry activities. Um, those are primarily there to serve and to, to help people, to help people grow, to help God's people to grow. Um, the Bible tells us that God knows us um, by name. Um, the Bible reveals God as someone who calls people by name. Um, who converses with people, who knows people, and who God is the one who invites human beings to relate personally with Him and relate intimately with Him, like a friend, even the Bible says. But also within the community, within the community of faith, we are, uh, the Bible tells us that we are called to know one another, to, to be known by others, to love one another, and to acknowledge one another's um, uh, dignity and identity, to take care of one another, right? To pray for one another, to support one another, 
to befriend, to strengthen, um, and especially um, in the uh, past two days, I think I was watching the video that um, CC prepared two years back on the 25th anniversary um, uh, celebration, and it was a it, it's a video of showing the people who were who served in the church uh, photos of uh, some of you all in your uh, 10, 15 years back, uh, younger days, and all of that. Uh, and I was look, going through that video, and it just struck me that even within CC, uh, um, people come, people go, uh, people uh, come for a few years, uh, for longer, for sometimes even months, they come and go. Friendships, the connections can sometimes be transient and temporary, but I would say that that's a gift that we give to one another. The friendship, the acknowledgement of one another, one another's names uh, in that brief or whatever time that we, we get to, to share this, uh, uh, the, the fellowship together. It's a gift that we give to one another. It's an act of grace to, to know one another, to acknowledge one another. And sometimes it may not be even reciprocated. Uh, we may not receive the love and care that we give to others, but again, it's a gift that we give to one another. We celebrate everybody and we celebrate every experience that we go through. So first of all, we are reminded by Nehemiah that it's about persons and names. Secondly, it's about worship. Um, as much as we love the social aspect of being a church, uh, friendship that we have, the fellowship that we have, um, we know that it's even more than that. It's, there's an important element of worship, of relating with God that, that is the characteristic of a church. It's more than just a social club although that is uh, so valuable in a world like today. Uh, we are more than a social club. We are centered around worship. We are centered around relating to God in the manner that is fitting. And so that's why we have scriptures. That's why we have worship songs and we have praise. We have, uh, every once in a while, we have fellowship, uh, gathering around uh, the Bibles, uh, reading about uh, God and learning about God. That's why we talk to one another. We have fellowship. Um, and so the worship is an important element characteristic of being a church the third one the lineage what is our lineage we're all from different backgrounds um, and in in the in terms of the 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 lineage that we talked about earlier in in nehemiah which is about actual genealogy actual biological lineage um, the world is broken. Like there's reconciliation that's crucial in all of these re relationships. Like people are divided along like uh, n number of uh, lines, right? And so reconciliation is needed because otherwise we are infinitely ex excluding one another along this line and that line, and there's like endless um, criteria for excluding one another. I just want to give a short example of my community in 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 Manipur in India. We were like that. The, 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 we are Rongmei community. Uh, it was broken up along the lines of clans. Every clan has their own thing going on. Uh, every tribe has their own thing going on. Every language group has a thing going on. And it was uh, very minimal cross kind of uh, interaction going on across those lines. But when they became Christians, the boundaries faded. In fact, the boundaries faded to this extent that the, the Rongwei tribe and there's another Kuki tribe that were almost perpetually fighting. There, there are, there's warfare, there's, uh, they invade each other's uh, villages. 
it was the cookies, the, the, um, the rival tribe that brought the gospel to the wrong maze. And this became a symbol of the reconciliation that happened between two tribes that have always been warring, two tribes that have always been conflict. In fact, they worked together. They, the first church in the area, the town that I grew up, that I was born in, the first church among the wrong maize is a cookie church. Um, and so the profound picture of how these boundaries are broken down because of Christ, because of uh, the embrace of a new identity. New lineage has been formed. New heritage has been formed. And I think to be more precise, the Bible tells us that our lineage now is in Christ. Of course, I still remain a Naga. I still remain a Rongmei from Northeast India. But I'm more than that. I'm also part of a lineage, a genealogy of being in Christ. And because I'm in Christ, so just as you are in Christ as well, and we are known by our names, we have a different lineage, a different identity. And that is the, the, uh, that is the criteria in which we are all one in Christ. Right? Uh, this is a space where we are known by our names uh, because we are in Christ. This is a space where we are, our names are recorded, just like in the case of Nehemiah. This is a case in which we are accepted in the community of faith because we are in Christ. We are a new community. Our lineage is in Christ who created us and who redeemed us by his blood. And just like how wonderful it must have been for the people who were listed in, in Nehemiah 7. Um, imagine you are standing there and your names, you, the name of your ancestors read out and you realize, oh, I'm an insider. I can get in. Um, and imagine, of course, those whose names were not there. You were standing there. You're probably friends with the people around you, but the name's not there. So you can't get in. But here in, this, in, this, in the case of the, the story of the gospel is that in Christ, uh, we are all invited to get our names written in the community, the, the family of God in Christ. That, I think those three priorities uh, that we learned from Nehemiah is so relevant for us as well today in CC. Uh, it's about persons and names. It's about worship or relating with God. And it's about our lineage, our connection to Christ that supersedes all other lineages. So um, I want to close and uh, invite us to reflect on our priority as we think uh, about ourselves as the community of faith. Um, people, worship, lineage. And I want to invite you to put our efforts together, just like uh, Nehemiah and the community, uh, to build this community of faith. Uh, and let us continue to join in prioritizing people, worship, and our connection in Christ. Um, and um, as Nehemiah confidently said, this is what God has put in our hearts. This is the will of God because it will honor him and his son, Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we pray for our hearts to be set according to your will. And we, we pray because we want to be attentive to what you have put in our hearts, just like Nehemiah. Uh, we want to search where we might reorient our focus, reorient our attention, so that we are in sync with your desires for our lives and for our church. We thank you, Lord, that we are your people and we worship you and we celebrate who we are in Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen.